Hi, this is Jim Lobato. I'm the president and founder of a company called Performance Group. You're listening to the podcast version of a program that originally aired on BizTalk Radio Show. I started BizTalk so you can have access to today's leading experts about growing your company and yourself. BizTalk is produced by Performance Group, which is in the business of helping the leadership of growth-oriented companies realize their potential. We do this by working with their sales force and helping those individuals discover and develop their unique abilities and then align those abilities with their opportunities. That's why we're known as a sales force development company. I hope you enjoy this podcast. On the program tonight, we're going to talk about high performance as it relates to our leaders. In any given organization, there is a tipping point. In a sales organization, it's going to be the sales manager. Obviously, in an operational-driven company, it's the operations manager. But in the company in general, it's the person at the top. I'll never forget I was at an advertising seminar, for lack of a better word, one of the ad groups. It was in Davenport, Iowa, and this was early on in my career. And very knowledgeable speaker was talking about the um, campaigns, of some of the national companies he worked with. And this particularly was Ralston Perina. And he talked about how that Ralston checkerboard logo is one of the best-known logos in the world. And you stop and think about it. Now, most of us know that through one product or another. And he was talking about the success of the company and what was led and what was going on and, and, they were, and as related to the marketing they were doing at the time. And I'm going back probably 20 years ago. But I'll never forget... I went up, and you ever had those defining moments in your career where someone gives you advice or insight you will just never forget because it tends to bring everything together. And I, I said to the this gentleman, I said, hey, you've got to work with national companies and regional companies and companies that are successful and companies that aren't successful. What's the one thing about these companies that are successful that uh, makes them successful? And he said, well, I can answer that. He says, what I've learned is it can all be traced back to one person, and that's the person at the top. And that really stuck with me because you think how big Ralston Perina is, and that one person in the corner office is probably dictating the success of the entire company, not to take away of the success that others contribute in getting something done. But I've learned over the years he's absolutely right. Everything comes back to that one person who's leading that company. And they are the leaders of the leaders. So if you're leading a department, the buck stops at your desk. But also, it's going to stop with the person who is is leading that company. So how do you do this without going crazy? That's our topic tonight. As I've worked with many leaders of growing companies, the sheer fact that you're growing means that you're changing. And as you change, your role changes. And and some of us aren't recognizing when our role changes uh, the problems it causes with us and with our people around us. So if you're feeling a little irritable, if you're feeling a little frustrated, if you're feeling a little unfulfilled, if you feel like people aren't paying attention to you, if you feel like you're not getting the top performance, if you feel like you've made the wrong choice and you're just going to go back to what you are doing before and give up leading people, then this is probably the program for you because that's what we're going to talk about on our program here today. Leading without going crazy. What I mean by that is how you don't go crazy and also drive your people crazy. Before we get to that, just a couple of housekeeping chores. If you want to gain insight on the nine steps to getting your sales force to overachieve, go out to the BizTalk website, biztalkradioshow.com, and you can click on 
the icon on the right-hand side there, and it'll take you to uh, the website where you can register for that, and uh, you can actually download that. And it's available as a free download. Also out there is the five hidden sales weaknesses and how they're costing you margins, profits, and opportunities. And as the economy continues to chug along, I've noticed the shift, and the shift is not whether we're going to sell something. Uh, that was a question maybe a couple years ago. Or is people going to buy anything? Uh, that question's gone by the wayside. The question now is what are they willing to pay for it, and how can we uh, get paid for the value that we have? And not everybody can sell value, and not everybody can represent value. So if you're struggling in that area, which translates to your margins are eroding, go out and get the booklet, Five Hidden Sales Weaknesses, How They're Costing You Margins, Profits, and Opportunities, and register for that, and you can download it, and we will also mail you a hard copy. So those are a couple of the uh, options you have. If you're a sales producer, you can go out to our website under Key Insights and click on Sales Quick Coach. Two-minute timeouts to improve your performance. If you're involved in generating revenue of any sorts or customer relationships, that's for you because we update that every Tuesday. You can receive a free and new sales quick coach. And um, it's updated once a month on the website, but you can get it every Tuesday if you register for it. Working with a friend of mine to publish the sales quick coach, a year's worth of sales tips, that book is coming out. If you'll send me an email at info at biztalkradioshow.com, we'll give you an advanced preview of a year's worth of sales quick coach and uh, tips, and if you'll give us some feedback on it. So we're in the process of editing that right now. It'll be out here shortly, and we'll make you aware how you can get your own copy of that. And if you're send me your email address, I'll make sure you get an advanced copy of that. So just put uh, um, Sales Quick Coach, the book, in your subject line and send it to info at biztalkradioshow.com, and I'll make sure you get an advance on that. Okay, going crazy, whether it's you or your people, that's our topic tonight, how to prevent that from happening. And most of what I talk about in BizDoc just comes from my own experience out in the marketplace working with leaders of performance-driven companies and some of the things they struggle with. And at the same time, just some of the things that I've learned, I guess lessons learned is what I call them, from my own experience of um, leading people and growing organizations over the last 30 years. And really when you get the opportunity to manage and lead people, it is a unique experience when you, you get to do that. And everybody has a chance to do it. And, and we all have a chance to do it if you stop and think about it. You don't need to have a manager's or leader's job to be, or title I should say, in order to do that. There are plenty of chances to lead by example in everything that you do. Uh, personally and professionally. So when you officially have the title, then that kind of changes because everybody looks to you. So if you're new to this role, maybe this will ring true, or if you are um, been in the role for several years, some of the one I'm going to talk about may ring to be true with you, and I'll share some of the lessons learned with that. So the biggest thing to remember about this is when, you're, when you go from uh, performing a job in any particular role to leading and managing people, you're really going from doing to delegating. When you get promoted, uh, you usually get promoted when you're doing a good job. You know, whether that's in sales or production or marketing or accounting or operations, you do that job well, and eventually you'll get the opportunity to get the nod to you know, lead a department or lead a company. And, and you get that opportunity to lead because you are what I call a doer. 
Yes, you, you're meaning that you got things done because generally your attitude is, I'll do whatever it takes to get the job done. And uh, you didn't let obstacles get in your way, and you didn't let the clock get in your way, and more importantly, you didn't let excuses get in your way. So you were in the classification of a doer, and doers get the rewards, especially in uh, the opportunity to lead people. Now, the problem happens is that everything you learned about doing doesn't really help you when you put the new cap on to leading and managing. And let me say that again. The first problem you're going to face is everything you learned about doing isn't going to help you when it comes to leading and managing and you put that cap on. Uh, Sure, you know what to do and you know how to do it. You know those things. Now, the trick is to get your people to know what is to be true and to get done. The difference really is between driving results to focusing on getting people to do the activities done that produce the results. When you were a doer, you were focused on the results. Inherently, you figured out the activities and you just kind of did them. So the key to management is getting your people to do what you know they should be doing but won't do for themselves. I'll say it again. The key to management is getting your people to do what you know they should be doing but won't do for themselves. Now, that doesn't mean that you are doing it. Again, the biggest change when you go from your job to leading and managing people and put on that cap is you go from doing to delegating. And quite honestly, it's tough to do because doers love to do. And most honestly, too, the problem that that, that comes with that is most of their self-actualization comes from the fact you're doing something, meaning the rewards, the accolades, the recognition, whether that is in comments or plaques or in your paycheck, comes from the fact you did this and you got recognition for that. So the key is to get your people to understand what you know to be true and focus their activities. Now, when you were in that one role of just doing things, You just had one thing to do, which was drive towards the results. Now, when you become a manager, guess what? You start wearing many caps. You wear the cap of a coach, a mentor, a diplomat, a policymaker, a performance master. And if we sat here and thought a little bit longer, I'm sure there's many other caps you can think about what you do on there. So those are just some of the um, roles that you play in leading people. And they are different roles, and you have to think of it that way. You're wearing different caps at different times. And the thing to remember about that, depending on how you do in each of those roles as a coach, a mentor, a diplomat, a policymaker, performance master. Performance master means getting performance out of your team. That's what I mean by that, is that most people don't quit jobs. They quit leaders. So if people are leaving your organization, then it's probably due to the leader. I'll never forget we were working with a Fortune 1000 company one time, and they had three managers quit in a six-month period, and it set bells and whistles up all over the place. And I was kind of taken aback by that. And and so I talked to the HR director. I said, tell me what's going on, why all the bells and whistles. I know these were good employees. We didn't want to lose them. But what they said was they had other opportunities over here in their career and to advance and with different companies, and he left. I said, that's going to happen. And this person says, well, Jimmy, you don't understand. He said, in our organization, he says, we have the next 10 or 15 years planned out for you. We know where you're going to go in our company, and we're grooming you for that. He said, now that these people have left, he said, they were were year seven in their employment, and they had another good 20-some years left in them, and we knew where they're going to go. Now we have to start all over again. We don't have somebody standing behind them to take where they're supposed to be in the next two years. It created a huge gap. And that's, again, I started to pay attention to this whole thing about people leaving the leaders. 
and not necessarily leaving the job. And eventually, over time, over a two-year period, the person who was leading that department got redeployed somewhere else because the company figured out that the leadership was doing the wrong things and were losing too good of people and having too big impact on the company. And to the impact, meaning that uh, when people leave, it had a 10-year ripple effect in what they were doing. Now, you can say, well, that's true in these great big companies, Jim, but maybe it's not true with mine. Uh, It is if you stop and think about it. If you stop and think about all the resources you pour into getting somebody up to speed to learning their job, and in the back of your mind, you're probably grooming them for other things, whether you realize it or not. And they walk out the door, all that undocumented policies and procedures and not only that, wisdom walk out with them. So when the person comes in again, you're starting from ground zero. And I'll give you a real-world example of this. In our own company at the Performance Group, we uh, upgraded all of our technology recently. And... Um, we are. We went through the process of, of changing software upgrades as well as hardware hardware upgrades. We um, did the timing of this when we were switching offices, and as we went to bring all the workstations back online, we went through a little frustration with the fact that not all the programs got loaded in all the workstations, or some of the employees had specific programs they needed to do their jobs, and that wasn't loaded. And uh, I had forgotten. Whoops, we made a mistake because it's been a while since we upgraded our technology. We had a checklist for that, meaning that when, when a technician brought a workstation on board, we had a checklist for what was to be installed, and uh, we validated that was installed correctly. And um, we muddled through that, but we're about to install two new workstations this week. And I said, let's stop for a second. Let's dust off that old checklist we used to have, which is collective wisdom. At one time, we learned this lesson. A person learned it, and we institutionalized it into the company. So let's dust off that old one, and let's modify it a little bit for our current situation. So before we bring these workstations on board, what should we install? Let's think about that. Then let's have the technician sign off on the fact that these were installed, and let's have somebody here own the fact that they validate what the technician did. I I know for a fact that this new station, uh, these two new workstations, when they come online, will come online without a hitch, unlike the other six or seven that we put in. Because we learned from an employee, a lesson learned, we institutionalize into a system and process and we can replicate it. My point being, if you stop and think about all you invest in someone learning their job, it's probably not all documented. Simple things like a workstation, we had to relearn it again until we remember we had a checklist, and let's keep that in board. And, and therefore, the next time it comes on, we can, we can bring this computer up to, up to speed quickly. So if you stop and think about all those things that are undocumented in your company and it walks outside the door, there's thousands of dollars walking out uh, with it. So it becomes important that we understand that we're okay losing people to other opportunities and advancing their career. We should always encourage that, but not because we force them to do that. So the key is getting to your talented people not to quit, whether that's mentally or physically. So how do we do that? Well, there's a couple lessons learned on this. Number one, don't pick people with no talent. I know that sounds so fundamental, but we make the mistake of understanding the difference between experience and talent because it's two separate things. You can have a very talented person who has no experience. You can have a very experienced person who has no talent. 
at the end of the day, give me the talent. Now, it takes longer to get them up to speed because you have to teach them things that you know to be true. And that's where your onboarding orientation programs need to be documented and, and systematized. And it's not that hard to do. You just got to start doing it. And the way I do it in my own company is I said, let's start a binder on this. I'm big on starting binders. And whenever we learn something new, we just we document it and say, let's throw this in the binder. And if we don't have a chapter for it, then we'll just create a, a tab and say, this is a chapter on how to get your computer up and running. This is the chapter on what you're supposed to say when you first engage a customer, whatever it is. And we have a whole section on how to set appointments in our company that we've learned over the years to be true, how to use the software, how to get it confirmed, all that stuff. You start throwing this stuff together, it doesn't have to be pretty. You know, it just has to be functional. So give me somebody with talent and put them in a good onboarding, training, and orientation program. I have two new employees in my company, and we are going to hire another one here shortly. And I've even outsourced the training on this, even though I'm a pretty good trainer, even though I know what I'm talking about. I sometimes just don't have the time, or sometimes hearing it from somebody else is different. But when we put our budget together this year, we're sending people off to training three times this year. Three times, three different days, and we reinforce that training in between the training sessions. But we get away for three days at a time, and we focus on nothing but skill development, drill for skills. How can I get away with that? Because I have very talented people. Talented people will figure out what to do every darn day. Experienced people... It's good to have it because they bring their experience over, but generally what they bring over, the experience, what worked for them before, and, you know, gosh darn it, if the economy changes or the company structure isn't what it used to be or if something changes, maybe what you did before doesn't work today. And if you don't have the talent to adjust to that, then you're going to get left behind. Give me talent every day. Don't set unclear expectations. Again, fundamental. But here's what I mean by unclear. I was in a situation the other day where – We have a person who's generating revenue, and they're generating revenue within their first six months of employment, which is a little bit unusual given the fact that the sales cycle for this company is eight months long. Typically, on average, when they engage somebody new, it takes about eight months to close the deal. This person's doing it in six months and doing a very good job of it. And what I the feedback I got was, you know, even though they're generating uh, really good revenue. We're not so sure it's the right revenue. That's the feedback I got, meaning that we want them selling programs and they're out selling products. Now, I understand that there's more profit in the programs that are in the products, but I also understand getting somebody to sell within the first six months when it's normally eight months is also unusual, but we hired for talent and we're training them the right way, so we'd expect them to get get out of the block sooner. But we can't be frustrated if we didn't tell them up front that we need to be selling a balance of programs and products. What we told them initially was, let's go sell. And they did. So let's be clear about our expectations, about what we expect people to do. And if they're not doing what they should be doing, here's one of the lessons learned I learned over the years. Ask them, what's your understanding of what was expected here? And you'll be surprised if they're not doing what they're supposed to be doing, most of the time, it's because they had a misunderstanding. And, and don't make the mistake of, well, I told you, you know, because it's not the fact you told them, which is probably true. The fact that they didn't get the message is also true, and you're responsible for making sure that the message is received. If you're managing people, you've got to ensure the message is received. We're mostly sure we sent it. 
I told you that we were supposed to do it this way, and you're not, but I told you that. Well, telling is only half the equation. Making sure they receive the message is the other half of that equation. So don't set unclear expectations, and the way you confirm that is ask people, what's your understanding, what's expected here? Don't say one thing and do another. I had a situation here the other day in my own company where we, we published the company values, and one of the, and we go over those every now and then. Probably once a quarter, we dig them out, and we say, go over and say, here's the values of our company. And one of those things is do what you say you're going to do. That's one of the values at the performance group. And I missed a deadline, uh, and I missed a very important deadline. And I recognized it over the weekend, and it was too late. I was out of town. There's no way I can correct the situation. So I emailed the employee, my employee, and I said, hey, I missed this deadline. And, and they fired back, and they said, uh, I understand, but at the same time, you know, are you spending too much time doing things and not enough time managing your own business? And one of the values we have here is do what you say you're going to do. And I thought, you know, guilty as charged. And you don't make excuses in any time in business, but especially in these situations. And I said, uh, and he said, how do I ensure this won't happen again? I said, well, I emailed back and I said, uh, because the lesson has been learned here and I've already made adjustments for that to happen, I mean, not to happen again. Made a mistake and was called on it by one of the values that we published. Now, that's okay. Uh, I'm human. I make mistakes. But at the same time, if I consistently made the same mistake over and over again, people would start checking out. So don't say one thing and then do another. Uh, don't ignore your people when they excel. The pat on the head, the hearty handshake, the pat on the back, the letter, something that says they excelled goes a long way. Um, whenever I'm in an airport, I always stop at one of the gift stores, usually one of the unique ones. I was in Denver lately, and I picked up $20 worth of gift cards, mainly because they're gift cards that I can't find around here that tell a unique story. And and I get those, and I stick them away because I never know when I'm going to use them. But I'm notorious for spending hundreds of dollars on some type of greeting cards each year, usually from airports, because I send them to people. Uh, one of the... Um, um, Candidates we placed last year had a year anniversary. They've been with the, they were with the company for a year. So part of the work we do at Performance Group is placing people. And, and, and that's a milestone. Hey, they made it a year and they excelled. And, but the first 90 days was rough on this person. And she made a comment to me. She says, well, I'll just put on my, uh, you know, put on my good, uh, big girl panties and, and, and uh, big girl pants, rather, and I'll just go get the job done. And I found a card that said that, that said, hey, you know, just – Pull up your big girl pants and let's just go get the job done. I couldn't believe I found a card to send that. And, and I, I sent that card to her after a one-year anniversary. And I, and I said, hey, I said, this quote sounds familiar from someone I uh, talked to a year ago. Congratulations on one year. So when people do something exceptional well, recognize them in a meeting, recognize them personally, do it a lot, do it very publicly. Uh, I've been known to send letters to spouses of people and say, I just want you to know your husband or your wife or your significant other did this the other day, and you should be very proud of them. So that kind of stuff just tends to go a long way. Don't fail to discipline the behavior. Uh, don't discipline the person. To discipline the behavior. If you can't describe the behavior the person is doing, then you're in trouble because you're going to start belittling the person, and we don't want to do that. What behavior did they do? And can you articulate that and separate the behavior from the person? Don't keep a distance when you fail 
if you don't keep a distance from it because you may fail to build a relationship, you don't understand what motivates your people if you do that. Don't play one against the other. Don't make a negative uh, uh, comments about anyone to anybody. Uh, I'll reemphasize that one. When you're leading people, you don't have the luxury to talk about other people's performance in front of other people. Negatively is what I mean. You can say all the positive stuff in public, but none of the negative stuff. And, and because they walk away saying to themselves, gosh, if that person's willing to talk about that person in front of me, I wonder if they're saying about, about me behind my back. I mean, that's just the way they think. And don't ridicule their ideas. Every good idea is a good idea. You don't have them all. Thank people for their good ideas and discuss whether or not it could be implemented. So those are just some of the, the don'ts. It's pretty easy to describe the don'ts when you're first leading people. Let me ask you some questions. Does your company spend too much time planning and a little too time executing? Are you frustrated because too much of your decisions end up on your desk? It seems like, it seems like you're the only person in the company making decisions. Are you frustrated because you feel like you're the only person that is getting anything done in your company and you feel like you have everybody strapped on your back and you're pulling them along with you? Are you concerned that you're not going to meet your financial or operational objectives? You're always concerned about it, in other words, whether it's this week or this quarter. Are you concerned that uh, you don't have the accountability put in place to get the results that you need? Are you concerned that uh, the entire workforce seems to be focused in 14 different directions? And are you concerned that no matter where you look, there appears to be inefficiency all around you, and you're, asked, you're saying to yourself, you're the most efficient and effective person in here, and why can't these other people seem to get it? If you have some of those questions, then you're suffering from what I call just some leadership minutia that has more to do with you than them. If, you're answer, if you've answered yes to those questions, uh, I'm saying it's generally not your people. Ed Deming or Edward, if you want to be politically correct, Edward Deming, the quality control person, made the comment that that uh, people don't fail, systems fail. And most of the people in charge of the systems are the leaders. So think about that. And Drucker said, Peter Drucker that is, said that organizations are perfectly designed to get the results they're getting. It's those two quotes that I keep close to me because when things aren't going the way they need to go, it's because I've designed them wrong or, right, I've got the wrong system that I put into place. Rarely is it the wrong talent. Could be, but chances are that it's not. So how do we get centered as a leader? And there's two fundamental things that we never talk about in our management leadership classes in college. We never talk about it in the workplace. And somewhere along the line, you just learn these things. And, it, and if you listen close enough, success leaves clues. And um, we had a gentleman on our program, uh, Bob Sielert, who wrote the book, Start With the Answer. And the podcast is out there, and I would go listen to it. And uh, more importantly, I get his book, Start With the Answer, because uh, it's a very good, what I call, uh, nightstand book. Because whatever you're struggling with in your business, Bob has a chapter on it. It's a quick read and very good insight. But one of the things, if you listen to Bob, that got him centered originally was having um, early on in his uh, leadership development, 
the company sent them to a program where they had them define their values. And, and are you being true to your values? And now that's a very interesting question because are you being true to your values? First, you'll have to assume you know what your values are. What are your values? And a better way to say it, what do you value? Someone asked me that question uh, back in 2007. Now, I wish they would answer, ask me that question back in 1982. <laughs> but, you know, better late than ever. But at 2007... Someone asked me the question, what do you value? And I thought about that for a second. I didn't answer right away, and I went off to read about it, and then I actually found an exercise to walk through. Now, once you're asked the right question, you can find the resources for it. And I'll just share mine with you. Maybe these ring true. Um, they jumpstart how you think about this. I value accountability. I value leadership. I value, I value knowledge. I value discovery. I value health. I value teaching, I value independence, I value principles or integrity, I value prosperity, and I value spirituality. Now, those are the things that I value. That's my, my top ten list. Now, you never know when you're going to be asked the question, what do you value? Because my daughter came to me about a year ago. She's doing this thing in, as project in, in class. And uh, one of the teachers asked, I says, what, what is your family value? So, Dad, what do you value? And I just went to my journal and I didn't have to tell her. I showed it to her. Here are the top 10 things that I value, which obviously then we value as a family. And and I can tell that she was impressed is the wrong word, but it made an impression. I wasn't trying to impress her as to make an impression. And so when people come to you, especially when you're leading people and they ask you the question, what do you value? You better be able to answer that. Now, more importantly, and I won't get into it on our program tonight, is I went through and, and then I went further to answer the question, why do you value that? What is it about accountability? And I know that just early on in my career that uh, I, things had to be measured. I like to measure things. When things are measured, I appreciate it. So I know that accountability, measuring things, is important in my life. And so keeping score, having scorecards in many different areas is important to me. I went through to analyze why that is because it helps me keep me focused and on track. And, and it's not a fact that you just you know what the values are, but why are they really valuable to you? And, you know, one of my other ones is leadership. I just known from early on that I wanted to be in a leadership role, not for the fact of just to dictate and control people as much as to direct and lead people to things that I learned to be true in their performance, helping out with their performance. So I really took a leadership role to make a difference in people's lives, and I knew that at early stage. But identifying the why behind what it is helps put some power behind it. So I'll ask you the question, what do you value? And do you know that? And do your people know that? If your people know it, everybody can be held accountable to it, including yourself. So that's the foundational thing. If you don't know what you value, then you're going to start disvaluing people when they do something wrong, but they don't know what they're doing wrong because you have articulated that's not in line with your values. Does that make sense? You're going to be upset with people because they're doing things wrong, but they don't know they're doing them wrong because you haven't told them that those are the wrong things to do. But you value that, but somehow you haven't told people that. And one of the first mistakes people make when they become a leader is not explaining their values to uh, their employees. 
Uh, I've read George Patton's um, auto. It's not really his autobiography. He kept a diary. He wrote almost every day, either letters to something or in his own diary. And and when he was in charge of the army in World War II, um, he had a standing order, which was uh, we will never retreat. He doesn't. And one of his beliefs was, I don't want to pay for the same ground twice. But a standing order means you don't have to issue it all the time. And that's just one of his standing orders that he had. But he made that clear when he became a general and took over leadership of different armies in World War II. They always knew where he stood, at least on one issue, we're not taking the same ground twice. So we better get prepared to keep moving ahead. And I shouldn't have to issue that order twice since it's a standing order. What about you? What is your standing orders? What are the things that you value most importantly? We come back, we'll give you the second thing you need to master as a leader, not only your values and letting your people know that, which gives you a center and foundation to build from, but also a thing called getting your needs met. In other words, identifying what your needs are. So after I went through and identified what the the, the uh, values I had, because someone asked me the right question, you know, what do you value? Um, I, I went and read a, a book, and it's a very good book, called uh, Coach Yourself to Success by Talene Medner. And... Um, Coach Yourself to Success, and Chapter 43, she has a, a thing called Identify Your Needs, which I thought was very interesting. Now, you know your needs aren't being met. Let me give you the symptoms of this first. You know your needs aren't being met uh, when you feel isolated, alone, unfulfilled, useless, confused, or some of the things I hear from people, and have felt in my own career at times, You also notice it because you stop giving to other people. The compliments are replaced by complaints. You know, gratitude is replaced by resentment. And that happens because if your needs needs aren't being met, there's no way you can give to anybody else. It's just you, you run out of enough energy to do that. And so you start taking from other people. And, and and one way you take is by not giving, believe it or not. So identifying what your needs are. Now, how do you figure out what your needs are in the first place? Well, your, your emotional needs are what you must have in order to be at your best. Now, think about that. Your emotional needs are what you must have in order to be your best. When your needs aren't being met, you're probably feeling irritable, unloved, or unhappy, angry, resentful, jealous, deprived, or all the above. They're basically unpleasant feelings. That indicates that some of your needs are not being met. And but everybody has different needs. Now, here are some of the most common needs, and keep in mind that there are hundreds of different needs. Yours might be some version of these. Most people have some variation of some need to belong to an organization or something worthwhile. And I say most people because, you know, it's fairly safe to say that this doesn't apply to everybody, you know. But uh, what are some basic needs that people have? They could be needs to be in control, to dominate, to command, or to manage, to communicate, to share, to be listened to, to be comforted, to be protected, to be followed, to be free, to be independent, be self-reliant, to feel a need of being important or to be useful or to be noticed or remembered, to improve or to please or to satisfy others, to do the right things, to do things right, to have a cause, to have a vocation, to be busy, to be honest, to be sincere, to be loyal, 
to be consistent, to be perfect, to be at peace, to be at quietness, to have calmness, to have balance, to have power, to have abundance, to have a security. I mean, those are just some of the things that are out there about getting your needs met. I would challenge you to go through and ask yourself the question, what do I need? And I've given you some examples of that. I'll give you some of my personal ones. I have a need for results, which means I've always worked for results-driven organizations. We measure things and we work towards results. I have a need for that, and therefore I align myself with that need. I have a need to get paid what I'm worth. I don't like to give things away for free, but at the same time I have a need to bring value. I don't like people just donating things to me because they feel like, oh, we should be doing this. No, you're going to pay for our services because you found value in those services. And I will go above and beyond to identify what that value is for you and deliver that value because I have a need to bring value because I have a need to get paid when I'm worth. What about you? Do you know your deep-seated needs? I have a need for solitude. Once I figured that out, it was okay for me to check out, go be by myself, and figure out what I needed. And it's okay I had downtime to be away from everybody else because I have a need for solitude. I know that to be true. And if I can get that need met, guess what? I can be energized and give other people what they need. So as a leader, these are some of the things you should be doing, we talked about, which is understanding your values and your needs and some of the things you shouldn't be doing. And I will challenge you to go find those things on your own mission as you lead and manage people. That's all the time we have for Biz Talk tonight. I will see you here next week. Listen to Biz Talk. This or other Biz Talk podcast may be downloaded by visiting our website at www.biztalkradioshow.com. Or you can subscribe to Biz Talk through iTunes. If you want to learn the strategies how to take your sales force to the next level, you can contact the performance group at 800-550-9509 or visit us on the web at www.pmgllc.net.